emotional, in tears atop the ladder because the climb has been long. The climb has been arduous. But finally, Liv Morgan can declare herself Miss Money in the Bank. Ladies and gentlemen, Liv Morgan's sister, Miriam, is sitting in the front row right behind Pat and I here tonight. Her mom, Gigi, and the rest of her family watching this moment back home in Tampa. It has been a long road from Elmwood Park, New Jersey, for Liv Morgan. A woman who grew up idolizing the Hall of Famer, Lita, who eight years ago came to the Performance Center in Florida and joined NXT. And after that long, hard road, Liv Morgan can now call herself SmackDown Women's Champion. Good shit. Late to every episode. Late so much, I'm going to have to buy you a pregnancy test. Bob Rude. <laughs> I want to be a podcaster. Yay. His mom and name Kenta. I'm going to call him Kenta. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcasting school is really paying off for you. <laughs> You're so high, you don't even know it. Ahoy, my boy. You ready for a scotch ad? We don't know anything <laughs> about him. The only thing he's got in his wallet is a bunch of names of whorehouses. <laughs> That's flair! <laughs> <laughs> Probably looks like Jim Duggan shaking the tape out of his crotch. Benoit, enjoy my wife. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Cotton. Oh my god, mine just stopped recording. No, we're good. We're still recording. What a dick! <laughs> I'd cease and desist me. I'd cease and desist me hard. I need a minute to recover off that. What kind of game is it? War games! Let a war! War games! Our impressions. I have, yeah, I know. That's the only thing I've said in the last half hour. Bark like a dog. <laughs> oh, 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 jinx. Holy shit. How did that actually happen? Here we go. Good wrestling day. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It feels like it's our first episode ever because it took us about 20 minutes just to get this shit up and running today. But, Wi-Fi all considered, we're here, we're ready to go, and for only the second time in four seasons, the top of wrestling joins the 27th club, the 27th episode of this season. And today's show, we're going to be talking, well... Blood and Guts, the fallout from that show this past Wednesday on Dynamite. We have some news, we have more results, we got Bring It to the Table, and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, the show, it doesn't go on unless we have the Doc, ODM. I gotta tell you, man, it's weird doing this drinking coffee instead of beer. It's weird. It is weird. We are doing this way earlier than <laughs> normal, but I'm not opposed to drinking beer at because noon, but, you know I got other things going on. So <laughs> that's fine. I got the chicken nuggets. We're fine. That that works at all hours of the day. Oh yeah. And it's and why we're doing our uh, recording a little bit differently is we're getting ready because Fourth of July weekend for us. So we're making sure we get a little bit of uh, fun in as well as our podcasting because. What's more American than this week? Our top topic is 
the top 25 anti-American wrestlers of all time. Almost like you planned it. <laughs> it I, it's funny because I'm like, well, the way things are... Okay, anyway, so... <laughs> and it all lines up with the, with the story in WWE. Oh my God, you're right. Wow, it just was perfect timing. Um... Let's quickly, you know, get into the IFW world, our uh, fantasy league. As we left you last week, you knew that we were telling you there's going to be a drop ad this week. You could drop one person and add one person. I had first pick, ODM, you have your second pick, and yeah, we did exactly what we said. We were going to find someone. I almost grabbed Layla, not Hirsch, but the new Layla that joined the baddies the other day. I was like, well... If you're going to join a group, there's a chance you probably get a push, right? Right. But, see, I do things that the rest of the Fantasy League doesn't do. Research. And there was a heel turn recently on NXT UK. One of my favorite tag teams, Mustache Mountain, broke up as Trent Seven annihilated Tyler Bate. Tyler is out with a kayfabe injury. Why is that funny to me? Well, I drafted Trent Seven. You follow up with Claudio Castagnoli. What did Tiger take? Well, he dropped Kenny Omega. At least he finally figured out he was going to be injured, but then he just decided to take Tyler Bate. <laughs> he didn't even spell it right. I know. <laughs> well, he was, he must have, maybe he was going fishing and he just had that on his mind. I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to correct it, just put the asterisk and be like, nah, leave. <laughs> um, look at tonight. I don't even know how I even made it this many minutes into the show and haven't mentioned it. It's Rochester, baby. Dynamite is in Rochester tonight at Blue Cross Arena. We're excited. And speaking of points, I think we both have contenders for the title matches. Do you have Brody King? I don't think so, no. Oh, okay. He's fighting <clears throat> for the paper championship tonight. Actually, let me check real quick. And yeah. I have Wardlow. Wardlow is going to be facing Scorpio Sky in a street fight in Blue Cross Arena. What's phenomenal about that is that the that means men of the year will get involved. It's it's a way to make it a big schmoz and to hide the fact that Scorpio's hurt. But I think Wardlow will, I think he's going to win the title in Rochester. I think they're going to give us a pop. We had the TNT title the last time it changed hands there. I don't think Moxley's dropping it to Brody King. It would be cool. I would love to see Brody King just win just because Something different. it would be different. Yeah. But um, Who has Brody? Uh, once I saw, I didn't have him. I stopped looking. <laughs> yeah, same here. That's kind of how I look at it too. So it's funny because I like to look at who has what when big things happen. And, you know, we have battle Royals, things like that. Well, as you already heard in the, the sounds for the opener, I said it would happen with a tear in my eye. The day that Liv Morgan wins the women's championship. And, dude, it was a moment. It was cool. I loved seeing it. I popped. But then my fantasy side of me went, 
Shit, she just wanted a Money in the Bank match and a title match. Hey, who's got Liv Morgan on this <laughs> shit? <laughs> right? And I can't even enjoy it. But it's funny about Money in the Bank. Uh, I was grilling out, having a good time. It was like 8.30 at night. And Nightwing messages you and I. Y'all watching live? And there was a delay in either answer on both ends. And I had to look it up. I go, what's going on? And I just went to Wrestling Inc. And it said Money in the Bank coverage. And I go, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's happening tonight. Oh, no. yeah, that's right. No, I'm not. <laughs> what was your response? I didn't even know it was happening. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> um, so the beer flowed like wine yesterday. And some people lasted. Some people didn't. Yours truly, he lasted, and he ended up uh, deciding to watch the pay-per-view after it was all said and done. At least fast-forward, watch some. Okay. Um, I am giving all the credit in the world the match of the night. I didn't watch every match, but one of the matches I watched 100% in full, I don't think anything else could have stolen it, was the Usos, and I'm going to say their names the right way for this, the Street Profits put on a banger of a tag team match. That's what I heard. And found a cool way to keep it going with uh, Montez Ford's shoulder was up during the pin. Good moment, great match. And it stole the show. It was a great match. Liv winning the Money in the Bank ladder match, I pop for that. Now, something I find very funny with Money in the Bank here is that they interview Liv backstage. Remember that promotion or that uh, that ad that ran? It was like, has the chance to headline WrestleMania. And we we're like, well, that's weird. What are they doing this year? The lady is interviewing. And I'm going to say the lady. I don't know who the interviewer is anymore. Is interviewing Liv. And she's like, I, I can't believe with my journey, everywhere it took for me to get here, blah, blah, blah. She goes, I'm not thinking about WrestleMania right now. Tonight I'm just enjoying this. And I was like, cool. All right. The fact that she cashed in on Ronda Rousey. Now, I got to tell you about this. First, Ronda wasn't getting up. You could tell like she was she was kayfabing a knee injury, which was good. But the, the ref must have said like, hey, get up. And you watch her mouth, blah, 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 something like that. And But what I caught her saying, I watched, said something, Liv is coming out. And I saw her say Liv. I had to rewind it. But when Liv's music hit, Spot on. They had the right zoom in. Rhonda just goes, shit. It was awesome. <laughs> awesome moment. And it looked like Liv wasn't going to get the win. And she beat her with a roll-up. Every Money yeah. in the Bank always ends with, you hit your move, right? Or the big moment. It's a roll-up, and I, I dug it. It was That's how you should beat Ronda Rousey if you are Liv Morgan. You shouldn't have made her tap or made her pin. Or, or, uh, or pin her. Very few people should be putting her shoulders to the mat. Mm-hmm. But awesome moment, man. I popped. I marked out like I said I was going to. It was really, really good. So just when I found that high, WWE was like, hang on, hang on. We're going to make you feel like you always do. <laughs> as soon as all six members or seven members were in the ring, seven. That you hear, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I go, here's a chance to debut somebody new. Here's a chance to make the crowd go nuts. Nope. 
Why I didn't even see the writing on the wall is beyond me. Vince McMahon's hand-picked man theory wins. Who lost his title to Bobby Lashley earlier in the night? <clears throat> his U.S. title. Good moments. I watched the entire men's Money in the Bank match. Here's something I got to say right now. You are wasting opportunity if you do not put Drew McIntyre and Sheamus together with the Brutes. Because they, they've had matches recently and they did a lot of teaming up together. Them face-to-face, but then working with each other. I've always thought that was a perfect setup. You know what I mean? Like, they did. they had them... Feuding, I think like a year or two ago, heading towards WrestleMania. And I was like, <clears throat> that's the match I'd rather see than end up being McIntyre and Lashley, which wasn't bad. I liked it. But they were putting on real good, like, no DQ matches on Raw and showing how tough they could both be. They got to put them together. I'm just saying. Pete Dunn, Butch, he's like a little fighty little rat that just wants to keep running to the ring and, and chew. <laughs> like, like, he like he ran to the ring. He's not even supposed to be in the match. And they're like, yo, hold they were holding him back before Sheamus even was doing his entrance, right? But then he comes out, out of nowhere and gives a headlock to someone. And as much as I didn't like it, I kinda like his character. But like I said, everything that it was up on went right downhill when Theory won. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's not to be unexpected. He's already being shot to the moon. Is he actually going to win the title? Who the fuck knows? Um, now, he is the WrestleMania. I think he is that shining moment at WrestleMania. It's going to go all the way back. Probably talk about the Stone Cold thing, him and Pat McAfee, yada, yada, yada. He could go, this year will be my moment. I'm going to cash in there. Because they mentioned WrestleMania. That's why I brought up that Liv Morgan thing. Her saying, I'm not focus on WrestleMania. I was like, no one asked her. Why are you bringing it up? But I think Theory is going to wait all the way till then. Yeah, it would make sense. He has no choice. Just, the only yeah. person he could cash in on is Roman, <laughs> and he's not there. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, man. It's, Fucking Sami uh... Zayn, fantastic throughout the match. <laughs> I'm not winning this to go after Roman. I'm going to be there because I'm going to protect Roman. I I'm, I'm the honorary oos. Okay. Take my money. Sammy is good. I like him. I like his shtick. He's really good at everything he does. All right, that's all I, re I really got to bring up about Money in the Bank. Other than, I got to say, uh, three appearances in two weeks of Vince McMahon. <laughs> Way to tell the world to, to S your D when you are being investigated. Hey, absolutely. I'll tell you what, the, you know, the things that I, the only things that I really cared about this pay-per-view were uh, a couple things. One, uh, there was a vignette that they showed. A lot of people are speculating it's Bray Wyatt. It's not, though. Did you see the vignette? I did. I think it's Edge. It's Edge. It's 100% Edge. There was a Latino Heat license plate. There was the gold medal. That's Kurt Angle. There are broken tables. That's the Hardys. The candles kind of represent the brood. So, I mean. The the glasses of the Dudleys as well. Yep. And yep. then there was also a, a phantom-looking cross. Cross, And I yep. was like, Undertaker. Yep. Yep. And I. 100% it's Edge. What would be great is, all right, you were taken out by Priest, Baylor, and Ripley. Ripley took herself out. Um, but we, <laughs> that's a good one. But he could come back with a brand new stable. Sure. Uh, you know what I would love? I got to be honest with you. If he came out with 
one new guy, I don't care who, and Beth Phoenix. And should have been like, I should have known to never trust another woman, blah, blah, blah. Make her part of the new stable. I like her being involved, but obviously someone's got to watch the kid. Hey, I got a joke for you. You already know where I'm going. I just say the news. Go ahead. I'll hold the jokes. (laughs) (laughs) No, the only thing I was going to say was, uh, you know, there was a spot where uh, Baron Corbin attacked Pat McAfee. And there's photos circulating because they were in Vegas for this event. Yeah. It was off air. Yeah. But it leads into what, I, what I'm what i about to go to. So uh, Money in the Bank was in Vegas. And also that night in Vegas was the UFC. Was it 273, I think it was? Um, there's a picture of Vince, Stephanie, Triple H, and Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee has the neck brace That's on. That's why Pat's wearing that. Yep. Yep. Fucking great. That's fucking great. And you know who else that- was there? K. Fabin, son of a bitch. Yep, yep. And Tony Khan and Jim Ross were there too, so I I bet that was an interesting passing in the aisle. (laughs) My God. Um, There are so many things online. I keep seeing people being like, Tony needs to stop hugging. There's a a one picture that has like 10 pictures of him hugging. Everyone from Cesaro to Okada to... Um, Britt Baker, Owen Hart's wife, like all these, the Owen Hart wife one was cringy from double or nothing where he's, it looks like he's forcing himself to cry where he's like, (laughs) yeah, he's done that a few times to say the least. So I'm thinking tonight in Rochester, if you see a sign that says, I want a hug from Tony Khan, it's the professor. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we'll we'll get into the news here. Not too much. Uh, so remember Joey Ryan, the dick flip guy. Remember that guy? <laughs> Isn't he the guy that uh had like forty real life style or not real life, but men dressed up as dicks at All In? Yes, uh, when he beat Hangman Page or when Hangman Page fought uh, somebody. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Resume speaks for itself. Go it on. Does. It does. Yeah, remember remember that skit, the player haters ball, and they show Osama bin Laden, and they're like, that motherfucker put my gas on the way here. <laughs> well, that's Joey Ryan, because uh, that motherfucker drove my shuttle in the animal kingdom at Disneyland. Yeah, he apparently, uh, I think he was, I think that's what he was working in, like the fucking jungle safari at Disneyland. Well, not no more. Because after everybody started posting on Twitter, like, holy shit, that's Joey Ryan. He's working at Disneyland. Then the people at Disneyland are like, who is this guy? They looked into it and found out about all the sexual allegations against him. And, well, he's not working at Disneyland anymore. What a dick. Yeah. He apparently found God, too, and is, like, going to, like, sex anonymous (laughs) meetings. Oh, did he? Yeah. (laughs) Was it when those... uh, People lifelike style dicks were spraying the crowd yeah. at all in? Was that the time that he found God? Yeah, probably after that, if I had to fathom, I guess. <laughs> Do you think some kid was on a ride and was like, wait a second? Aren't you the guy that uses your crotch to do like backflips and, and stunners and shit like that? Yeah. Interesting. It made me laugh as soon as I saw it. And I was like, is the there's some clickbait for you. That's some bull. That's a National Enquirer. The paper? 
I read the paper today. <laughs> That's, not That's what paper. I, it felt like. Joey Ryan was fired from Disneyland. I was like, what? That can't be real. Oh, no, shit, that is real. That's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, it's funny how things change sometimes for some people. Oh, well, it kind of happened to a nicer guy. So, Yeah, so it's funny that you put this in here. Uh, apparently, people are calling for JR to be removed from commentary for saying WWE names. Uh, we've done it on this podcast multiple times, so I don't know. And I'll tell you something. If when we get to the wars, you'll see that even Gene Okerlund did it. And so... We're going to tell him to stop. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. Perfect. Good call. So, the... <clears throat> I put this in here because, yeah, man, how many times have I said Daniel Bryan on this show? I'm going to say Cesaro most likely the next several months. Oh, yeah. And I want everybody... Who do you really want to blame for this? Do you blame... Jim Ross because he can't get the name straight or do you blame Vince McMahon for changing the name so he can capitalize on that person and own their character and name and everything right can't no problem with Jeff Hardy Matt Hardy they were able to be who they are but Daniel Bryan was Brian Danielson ah it's too much for people to write down or, or say out loud we can't do that we got to shorten that up but let's flip them and I'm still doing it. Do you know what's funny oh, yeah. is that everybody Same. is bitching about Jim Ross. The first person to screw it up in blood and guts was William Regal. And Ross goes, ah, you did it before me this week. So I'm just saying, everybody, fuck off. All right. It's not because he's old and can't do the game. He's good. He can do what he's doing. Although I will say maybe he is getting a touch old and doesn't know it everything or can't retain it all because he goes this week we're here in a sold out uh um and excalibur goes little caesar's a reading goes i love their pizza yeah <laughs> 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 i go oh excellent save <laughs> yep yeah man he's gotta, you gotta uh, put him in the right matches thing. you know yeah well I do like when you pull them out for just one match. They did that right at the pay-per-view. It is cool at the pay-per-view to have just certain matches or certain commentary teams. It's cool. I'll take it. There's talk that Taz is going to go to Dynamite. I don't think that's true. Um, one, actually, this is not in our news, but one thing I found very interesting. Jericho, Brian Danielson, they get to give messages to John Cena. Did you hear who got snubbed? No. Mark Henry. Huh. And apparently he like there I think there I read that he actually said, Yeah, no, I, I attempted and they said they weren't interested. They're still a little sour that he decided to jump shit. But what were you doing with him? Nothing. Y yeah, exactly. I mean what did you and so did all everybody else, <laughs> including people who were bigger yeah, stars. Exactly. You know? So yeah, and I heard, uh, you know, I heard well, about that, that uh, WWE apparently reached out to Tony Khan uh, about asking, you know, permission to have these guys show up, and he granted it. So, hey, man, like to see that come. It's a good but, working relationship. It should be. Yeah, absolutely. It should be what it is. Should if you don't be. want to trade talents for um, shows, okay, fine. You don't want to open that door. But being sure. open to working with each other and actually um, 
acknowledging, acknowledging that they exist. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, like yeah. that's a big difference. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: we kept saying that AEW. One thing that's cool about them: they're different from WWE, right? They don't have twelve to thirteen pay per views a year. Well, if you pick up another company, and most of the guys who work for you happen to work for the same company, if so facto, you now are technically doing that. Because not only did we just get done with Forbidden Door in June, now at the end of July, we are now going to have Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. There's no matches announced just yet. It is hinting towards Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. Lethal's done a lot of promos towards it. Uh, Sa- Saji Kali, whatever we named it. Great, great. Well, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot what we call <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> if you listen to him, he's actually not bad in promos. Really? Um, it, it, like Every time he goes to speak, I'm expecting it to be like great Kali. Like, Joe. Because that's pretty much all that Kali said. But he actually leaned in over uh, Sanjay Dutt and Lethal and goes, Hey, Joe, how's that shoulder now? And I was like, oh, (laughs) dude can speak. We're already all right. For some reason to me, that just made it a different game for me. I'm like, I didn't like him until I realized he could at least speak a little bit. I think Greg Kali's best promo was in Longest Yard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll play. play. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nobody gets by me we get to play ping pong later <laughs> oh great Kali the only man to eliminate himself from a battle royal and they're like fuck it we can't call it alright and tried an, a, a pin attempt in the same match but people who are announced for this pay per view for Ring of Honor is your world champion Jonathan Grisham women's champion Mercedes Martinez your tag champions which is FTR Samoa Joe, your TV champ, pure champion Wheeler Yuta, and Jay Lethal, and there are more who will be advertised for the pay-per-view. I like that's exactly how the list is. is named everybody, it goes, and Jay Lethal. Like, it's all the champions, <laughs> and Jay Lethal. This isn't in here, but I have to bring something up that I read, if you're doing smart booking, if you're going to do the smartest tag team title match possible for all out what do you do what do you book tag team match yeah your tag team title match for all out i mean your tag my your tag champs right now are bucks the bucks so i mean you could do ftr versus the bucks and i I think ftr should take it they should just have the fucking belt collector it it, it's it it, it's maddening to me that they have the iwgp the roh the triple a but they don't have the AEW tag teams which is where they're assigned to like that's just ridiculous to me and they said they wanted to be the first ever two-time tag champs and the bucks are right ah yeah i watched a very I don't know, put very well put together YouTube documentary from, you know, it's like someone from like England that you listen to them and, and they, they have their own theories and stuff. And I listened to it one day and I was like, this makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to piggyback off it. I'm not acting like this is my full, uh, my own prediction, but I think it, be, it makes sense. So go back to the first Bucks FTR match. And the reason FTR lost is they said we're no fists, no or we're all fists, no flips, or whatever it is, right? 
and they went to a high-risk maneuver, and it cost them the match. They went against their their uh, better judgment. And then they go on, they start collecting the belts everywhere else. Now they're a face team. Things have swapped. They had a match against the Bucks for the AAA tag titles or Ring of Honor, one or the other, on Dynamite. That was part the, the, the one that happened right after... Right after they won the titles, I believe. It was like a week or two after WrestleMania. It would make sense to have your third match between them. FTR versus the Bucks 3. I would absolutely say a two out of three falls match. That's my throw in. That was what I think would be the better idea. But winner takes all. All the titles on the line. Including one thing that the Bucks could say is we dominated the IWGP tag title scene, but it was always the junior. Junior. They were never your heavyweight tag team champions. Here's the chance for them to get that. They've also been your Ring of Honor champions and your ta- your AAA tag team champions. This could work out so well, putting both teams together, all the titles right there at once. Then once that happens, I think FTR should be like, okay, we're done with this one and this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get rid of a couple of them. Right. But, I think FTR Bucks three at all out. That's what I want to see. There you go. I mean, that definitely could be good. I, I definitely would like to see the Briscoes show up in uh, AEW, but uh, obviously doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So, hey, you know what? They may not want you on TBS or TNT, but still put them on a pay per view. Yeah, that, well, that doesn't that's mean true. You can't have them show up and do a pay per view. Yeah, that's true. Well, all right, run down. What happened during Dynamite this week and uh, all of AEW? All right. We were wrong, by the way. We were wrong. We said within seconds each guy was going to bust open like they did in the first Blood and Guts. Mm. Dude, only person to really bleed in the beginning was Daniel Garcia. Yeah. And then, who? oh, my God, who's the other one? Not Matt Menard. What, the other Angelo Parker. Mm. Upside down just bleeding on the outside from the cage. I was like, oh, that boy dead. All right, run down the results of Dynamite for me. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, it was blood and guts. Um, and the faces won. We had uh, you had your top of, uh, top of the cage spot, which they did better than they did the last time. I'll give them that. They still I had an obvious crash pad there, but at least they weren't trying to mask it as some, like, metal box. Uh, but it was great, the, uh, you know, the visual of Kingston – uh, just maniacally laughing after he threw Guevara off was a great, was a great looking down scene. through the holes of the cage. <laughs> I liked it. He's like just kind of looking and closing one eye and staring through and laughing. Guevara's eyes flickering, like you know, some people hate that stuff. Like Devon, when Devon would take a certain bump and he would like flop like a fish, like crazy. You know what I mean? Or like. When RVD does a frog splash, and after he hits you, he does a giant flip over you and complains about his stomach before he goes for the pin, right? Some things are okay. I like the flickering of the eyes. Way better than seeing Jericho open one eye and going, hey, did it look cool? Okay. All right, I'm back out again. (laughs) Remember how many times he opened his eye after getting thrown off of bloody guts? Oh, my God, it was horrible. It was bad. Um, We got the uh, reuniting of We the People. That was a, you know, good for moment what was, for what, for what it was worth. That was pretty cool. Uh, Which is funny because my immediate thought went back to the second dynamite 
where as soon as people started chanting that in this match, I went back to what Jericho said on the second Dynamite. He goes, we the people sucked. It was a stupid gimmick, and it should never happen in the first place. <laughs> Man, that's what we, that's another thing uh, that we but should the do. The unfortunate reason as the unfortunate reason as to why I had to drop Santana from our league. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to have to end up getting rid of someone. I thought I was going to get rid of Chad Gable. Remember last week, I was like, I really don't need to get rid of anybody. Santana was in the match all of 20 seconds, and after doing a Uranagi, and then he went to go lift someone, and his knee just buckled. Like, you yeah. watch it just like a toothpick breaking, man. And I was in. He just laid there the entire match, man, and it sucked because I have him on the league. But it's okay. He still got the win. Ortiz got the win as well. Wheelie Yuta got the win. I got a lot of guys that won on in that match. I ended up cleaning house in that match for fantasy. Sucks for Santana, man. I really hope he doesn't get hurt. Or I, I'm sorry. I hope he doesn't uh, stay out too long and he can come back. But could be a good thing. I think it'll give Ortiz a chance to shine by himself which is good. He's already done it a little bit with some solo stuff, shaving his head now and all that stuff with Jericho. The moment Santana enters a crowd, it's going to be a hot-ass pop. So it could be a good thing with him being away for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's weird because he just won some indie world titles somewhere. I think it was in Puerto Rico, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. but I've also heard some rumblings, like he's done some cryptic tweets where he's, you know, it's like 128 days and like almost there, like kind of hinting at him not renewing and leaving AEW. There's also been some very vague reports of, uh, him and Ortiz not getting along. So I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't looked into it enough to know where those are coming from and how, uh, you know, Can't precise those comments are. What's that? Kayfabe, pal. Yeah, it, it, it certainly could be. Like I said, I don't like. I don't. Shit. Let's just say they are doing that. Let's just say they're kayfabing us. Tell me the feud would not be absolutely just amazing between Santana and Ortiz. Yeah, probably. You know what I'm saying? Like at this if that, point, if you're gonna yeah. kayfabe people, like we ain't getting along. You come back and it makes it seem real, and you have a feud on TV. Man, think about the parking lot brawl they did with best friends. Giving those two guys just a match with each other, it'll be some of the best shit we've seen in years. Yeah. I don't want them to break up, but I'd like to see them at least get a run with the titles. But that's the that's thing. one thing we've been waiting for. Yeah, they're not getting that push as a tag team. They're just being part of, you know, Santana cut the promo about it, about, you know, you've been holding us back, Chris. You've been holding us back. Well, seems like you're still kind of getting held back because, you know, aside from this few that you're kind of siding with nah, Eddie, you're Eddie and, Kingston's. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like you're in his, stuff. if that's, if you're not going to do anything with him as a tag team, split him up and, and start giving Santana singles push. Cause you know, I, I definitely think he's shown that he's capable of it. So, um, a couple of quick notes about the blood and guts match. If you wanted to know why the hell is Jericho crawling on the roof? Look at his shoes on Twitter afterwards. They were literally front to back filled with the thumbtacks from the ring, right. yeah. which made it just one big metal shoe that he's walking on on the roof. Makes sense. Total sense is why he had to crawl. He said it's one of the scariest moments of his life, and I absolutely agree. He let Cesar. Yeah, see what I did? Yeah. See what, what you did there? Fire me. Fire me. I'm already fired. <laughs> 
Claudio gives Jericho the Superman swing on the roof of the cage. Dude, anything could have gone wrong. If if Claudio just slipped his ankle the wrong way, that dude could have went into the aisle or the, the entranceway, into the crowd, or just landed hard another way on the cage, anywhere. I And he wrote or did an interview. He's like, that was absolutely one of the top scariest moments of my entire life. But that also tells you the trust you have in Claudio Castagnoli. That, that that tells you he's a that's a true professional. And you're like, yeah, he's not dropping me. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen him do the Superman spin with great Kali. So okay, right. god damn that! How many Kali bumps is that going to be this week? We're going to use a the <laughs> let's not. Patrick. But the ending of the match, beautiful. I was like, ah, oh, here we go. Kingston and uh, Claudio, they're not going to get along for the match. They're going to play that. As soon as they got in there and they got to the ramp, Claudio was the first one to go in, and Kingston goes, you do it. You go. Go for it. And I go, all right, they're putting their shit aside for the night. And they did, and they went all the way through into the very end of the match because both men had guys in tap-out scenarios, and I believe it was Matt Menard tapped to Claudio while Eddie was trying to get Chris Jericho to tap out. And Kingston gave a look to, to Claudio like, what the fuck, man? I wanted to have this win, which I, th- I liked. I thought it was a good moment because you could still build their feud. I had to really do some digging, by the way. Like, is do they really... I know that, you know, Kingston makes it seem like he has really these issues with a lot of people, and it's hard to tell sometimes. I'm a mark to that shit. I'll be honest with you. They have had several feuds in a couple of different companies. So you could do the, we don't like each other thing. And maybe he, maybe Kingston just stays kayfabe 24 seven. Who knows? You know, like he tries to stay true to the, if that's, that's so awesome. Poor Kingston couldn't stand up after the match. And I was like, Oh no. Like it, it looked like he had trouble getting up as well, but then him and Cesaro kind of were like, okay, it's fine. We're good. We're good. But it was that little moment where he's like, you bastard. I was trying to get the win here. <laughs> good match. I think it was good to see the the faces win. Only person who bled in the faces was John Moxley, and he did that probably no problem. He wanted to do that. But also on Dynamite, tell me, did you mark out for FTR? Housing. I hate to say it, but yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I did. I I didn't get to watch Dynamite right away. I had to watch it the next day, and Lil John messaged me. By the way, Lil John and I are going to Blue Cross tonight. We're going to be on the floor. Sweet. But he and uh, yeah, he had messaged me, and he's like, I just want to know if you marked out at a certain part the way I did. He goes, we'll find out. And then I ended up realizing it was that, and I go, I like it, but... I don't know. I think they're pretty good wrestlers. Their music, such 70s porn music. I love it. Who, FTR? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not 70s. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a remake of the Midnight Express music. That's true. That is true. Which, speaking of, Orange Cassidy comes out to Jefferson Starship this past week. Yeah, I... Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, the, the Tony Khan made a big deal about that at the scrum. Um, and the best friends yeah, were in like head to toe tie dye. 
Yeah, and in B2. I 100% felt the same exact way. Um, but also, Luchasaurus is a full-blown heel. <laughs> he won. That's awesome. Get rid of the mask. But Rampage. He had the, the Rampage Royal. Brody King wins. It was a. It was basically World War Three, with two rings. <clears throat> they had the battle royal like WCW would have done, and the same thing. And came down to Darby Allen versus Brody King, winner to take on John Moxley for the paper championship tonight in Rochester. While I think a Moxley Allen match would have been great to see, we've seen it. You never know. In this business, I'm going to say you never know. Who knows? They may just put the title on King. What if Moxley was hurt from blood and guts, and they're like, yeah, well, we're going to put it on King after this. Just give options, but he ends up winning. But did you watch the end of that match? Uh, I, You know, I'll be quite honest with you. I did not. Uh, what I did see was how he won, which was pretty goddamn impressive. And he, Brody King tweeted it, that gif, and he said something like, superheroes are dead <laughs> or something like that. It was like, wow. Did a headlock to uh, Darby Allen, Darby. who was inside of the ring, lifts him above the rope to come to the outside with him and then has him dangling from his body. And Darby's holding on, but then for a good solid second, he drops his arms and is being held by nothing but his neck or chin. However, he's rested himself there for a solid second, all dead weight, and then Brody just drops him and wins. I was like, okay, one of the coolest endings to a battle royal I've ever watched. I mean, one of my favorites was watching Yokozuna lift Randy Savage in the air to throw him over the rope, right? That's a good one. I always like Chris Benoit doing the kind of a suplex where you're pulling the guy over the rope and kicking from the other side. He did that to Big Show to win at the Royal Rumble in 2004. Choking someone out to dead lifeless body and letting them just drop to the floor was an all new time or an all time new for me and fucking awesome moment. So, I'm okay if Brody King wins tonight. We got two title matches on Dynamite because the other one, again as I said is Wardlow and Scorpio Sky. We're also getting swerve in their glory against Butcher and Blade. So I was like, well, that is the exact time I will be going to get some Dippin' Dots. Yeah, well, hey, man, it'd be cool to see Keith Lee live. I haven't seen that yet. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think Brody King's going to win. I definitely think Wardlow's going to win the, the TNT title, which is going to be amazing because that'll mean that two out of two shows for AEW in Rochester, the TNT title will have changed hands. That's what I'm saying. Now the question is, and I mean, you go all the way back to Brody Lee. He was synonymous with the TNT title, so it would be a cool homage. What would else would be great? A Brody winning in Brody's hometown. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a stretch, but... <laughs> Fuck off. I, did, I don't care. I just thought it was a good idea. But <laughs> His man. name's Brody, too. <laughs> Fuck you, let's bring something to <laughs> Just bring it, bitch! Oh my gosh! 39. 39. In a row? I'm not talking about... <laughs> nice clerk's reference. <laughs> no, and I'm not even talking about the amount of whips that in the Passion of the Christ that Jesus took. 
I'm talking about 39 camera switches in 60 fucking seconds at Money in the Bank. It bothered me so much, I pressed pause and I rewound so I wouldn't miss anything, you know, by just only watching the camera switches. I rewound about a good couple of minutes and went back, and this is during the Money in the Bank ladder match. 39 camera switches in 60 seconds. Some went click, 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 like that fast. And I was like, either know where you're going or don't change. You know what I mean? It's like, nope, not that one, not that one. That was the one, that was the one. Okay. The joke was, is Stephanie and Triple H's kids the ones back there running it? But now I'm actually (laughs) curious because 39 switches in one minute, I was like, I've never had a seizure in my life. I could see it happening right now. Yeah, it was bad. Right. That's 39 in a row. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend sucked 38 ticks in a row. One of the best follow-up lines of all time. <laughs> Wait, does that include him? 38. <laughs> <laughs> Not even supposed to be here today. All right, what are you bringing to the table this week? All right, so I'm gonna give a little, uh, I'm gonna give a little promotion here for a indie promotion. Happened to see uh, Tiger's posting of a show that I don't believe he's actually wrestling on, but Extreme Wrestling Force. Uh, they're gonna be at the Harmony House in Webster, New York, on Saturday, July sixteenth, two thousand twenty-two. I believe first bell is at six p.m. Yeah, man. Um, this show is. Half a mile from my house. Like literally half a mile. It's across the street from Webster Hots. So I might just Ooh. walk up and scarf down a plate and go to this fucking event. I'm even thinking about bringing like a pad and paper and just take notes so we can talk about it on the podcast. Apparently it's like some tournament for a, a title. I don't know if it's a new title or a vacated title. I don't know any of these people. I don't know shit about this promotion. I don't know shit about shit. All I know is I can walk there. So I might do it. Well, and you know what else you can do? You can also use your phone as a voice recorder if you happen to just have any form of an interview with anybody. You know what's funny? Is that that night is my 20-year high school reunion. I'm and sorry. I was conflicted. Am I going to go? Am I not going to go? And it's semi-in that area. And I'm like, ooh, can I make both happen? And I'm like, I'll probably go to the wrestling and say, just like I said at the 10-year anniversary, fuck it, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm watching wrestling. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. yeah. I, then I'm excited to hear next week what you'll be, or the week after that, what you'll be bringing to the table with that. That'll be fun to listen to. But we've talked about it. It is one of the most hottest moments in 1997. One of the hottest pay-per-views. One of the hottest crowds. We're here. It's time. It's Canadian Stampede. It is the Monday Night Wars. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. What are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? Or become assholes or something? Give me a hell yeah! The puck is unconscious. And Zabisco has dropped his headset. 
feet up. Larry, please settle down here. I need to focus what's on in the right. Did you see that? Incredible hit him with a diamond cutter. Did you see that? That's not LaParka. That's not LaParka. DDP. Oh, my. That is incredible. He pinned him. Diamond Dallas. And look, Scott Hall. Scott Hall was more concerned with Larry Zemenko and DDP and WCW. One up the NWO. Hey, guys, I'm going to leave now. Speaking of, speaking of championships, what about you against the Intercontinental Champion, Owen Hart, at SummerSlam? Well, I'll tell you what, Owen Hart, last night, Calgary Stampede, one, two, three, Stone Cold Steve Austin's looking up at the lights. I'll tell you this, and I want this put in the contract. Don't flinch, I ain't gonna hit you. I want this put Please. in the contract. Bret Hart says if he gets beat, he won't wrestle in the United States again. Big deal. If I cannot beat Owen Hart at SummerSlam after the match, when he pins me one, two, three, if that happens, he can pull down his trunks, pull down his little panties, bend over, and I'll kiss him right on his ass right in front of the world. What? Put that in the contract. That's the bottom line. I'll kiss his ass if I can't kick it, and that's the way it's going to be. I'll kiss his ass if I can't kick it. I like that. It's a good way to know that you're in the middle of a good feud. <clears throat> Welcome to Raw. Welcome to the Monday Night Wars. You know, it's funny. We were just shooting shit right before we got this part of the, the show going here. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nitro was a shit show. Oh, so it was Nitro. Yeah. Man, the wars seem to have... I don't... I mean... You just had really loyal people who were watching each show if the ratings were that high because you were not tuning in for the stellar television that Nitro was giving up each week. However, sometimes when you see something, you're like, eh, I could skip it. This week, I'm glad I didn't, and I'm hoping you didn't either. Let's talk about everything from this week, but first was, that's right. In Calgary, it was Canadian Stampede. Good show. Good pay-per-view. Again, as I told you last week, first time that I have actually watched this 100% in its entirety. From the beginning all the way to the very end. I've usually only watched that last match. There's a reason I usually only watch the last match. All right, what happened? (laughs) All right, yeah. So I like uh, the intro. The introducing line from Vince McMahon is, uh, "The landscape has become a canvas of muted gray." <laughs> Way to go, Vince. Way to go. Um, <clears throat> so we start off Triple H versus Mankind. Uh, they do a quick recap of the recent feud. Mankind gets the hot start. Does a uh, mocks Triple H's little curtsy thing. Uh, we get uh, typical with uh, a Mankind match or a Cactus Jack match. We get, you know, the elbow drop to the floor, a suplex, a suplex on the ramp. Uh, it took Triple H forever to get back in the ring after he got suplexed on the ramp. Uh, when he gets back, there's a mandible claw on the ropes, and the ref is trying to pull Mankind off because, you know, Triple H has the rope, so it's, you know, you got to break the hold. Uh, and China just clocks Mankind. Uh, Mankind goes after China, but Triple H uh, tries to take advantage, and it backfires. Mankind throws. This is this was kind of cringy, man. So they're on the floor. Mankind goes to Irish whip Triple H towards the steps. Triple H reverses it, and China power slams Mankind. 
but he lands with his legs on the steps. And it was like the back of his knee landed right on like the edge of the step. It looked pretty brutal. Um, it's one of those things where, you I know, I feel like that is so- one of those. I, I, I hate to cut you off. I was going to say, I think that's one of those moves. Man, I hate to do the Simon Gotch, the a very Norman Smiley move where it looks bad, but it isn't right. But it's, I think that's what it is. And Mankind did that spot, I think, several times throughout his career. And it looked fucking nasty every time where you're like, yo, his leg's got to be broken. And he hits it, <laughs> you're saying, right in the corner of the stairs. And it, yeah, but somehow walks away after it every time. But yeah, it, it's one of those real nasty looking spots that I think really isn't that bad after all. Yeah, it, it probably was, but who the fuck knows, man? Oof. It just looked nasty. It's one of those cringe. Not the not the only cringe worthy uh, moment from uh, the wars this week. Uh, Triple H just ends up working the leg for a while. Uh, uses a chair, locks in the figure four. Using the ropes for leverage. Uh, they do the ref spot where the ref, you know, is is dumb. But by the third time, he realizes and catches him and kicks his arms off the ropes. Uh, this allows mankind to escape. Uh, they're on the floor. Mankind goes to use a chair. China grabs it. The ref's distracted, so Triple H hits uh, Mankind with the chair shot. While the ref is turning around to deal with Triple H, China hits a nasty lariat on him. You could hear the fucking echo of her arm hitting his fucking chest. It was nasty. It looked good. Uh, Triple H goes to the top. Mankind locks in the claw, but China pulls down Mankind and crotches him on the post. They end up fighting out to the crowd. It's a double count out. They end up in the penalty box at one point. China's trying to join in in the fight, and they just fight off to the back. I get it. Penalty box. Canadian. Well, well, Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) Next we get a recap of the Calgary Stampede Parade, uh, and they show Miss Calgary, who just happens to be Diana Smith. Haven't seen Diana on TV for a while. Some things just never change, Dirty though. Dirty Diana! <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, next, we get a backstage promo with the Hart Foundation and Doc Hendricks. I'm really disappointed because I've seen in The Wrestling with Shadows, it's, it's one of my favorite scenes, it's Bretton and uh, Jim Neidhart kind of going over this promo that they're going to do, and that's where Anvil does the, we're going to get hungry, and we're going to forget our manners. But they didn't show it. So I don't know if it's the Peacock version or if they just it was something that we saw in the documentary and they didn't use because before the promo even starts, Austin comes back and uh, has to get dragged out. Uh, I have it. Then it's got to be the Peacock version. I don't know why they would cut that out. Or was it part of the pre-show? No, it was there. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I saw, cause I saw him back there, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is the promo, and I'm like, wait, nothing happened. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch it again, see what's happening. I've got the file too, so I can check that too. But yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yep, yep. kind of a bummer. All right, uh, next we get Taka Michinoku versus the Great Sasuke. This is our light heavyweight division. I love the music for both of them. Very, very New Japan '80s metalish kind of. It was good shit. I liked it. I liked it. Um, but before like the match can even start, music. Mankind and Triple H are fighting in the crowd again. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Um, yeah. So the match starts after that, and they, you know, Mankind and Triple H come out in the crowd, then they go back to the back again. Uh, Michinuku driver and Sasuke kicked out at two. I was a little surprised about that. 
Uh, Taka goes to the top and Sasuke reverses and wins with the Dragon Suplex pin. It's the same move that Ultimo Dragon uses. Uh, it was a good match. Uh, the crowd, unfortunately, didn't uh, care for it too much. You know, I've learned a lot, you know, since we've started doing this with the wars. And I think you're in the same boat with me that you and I definitely seem to gravitate gravitate more towards the New Japan style of wrestling than to luchador matches. Getting a lot of the lucha matches. 100%. Yeah, we're getting a lot of the Lucha matches. You know, there's definitely some Japanese talent on WCW, but they're more known for the Lucha Libre style. Uh, and WWE definitely showcases more of the Japanese talent, even though there is a... and you know, I never, ever cared for cruiserweight Lucha Libre stuff. Even during the wars when I was growing up, when Lucha Underground hit, wasn't for me. I mean, I watched it, but... I'm not a lucha wrestling fan. I like rules. I don't like the tag team lucha style. That's just that's a big <laughs> killer for me automatically. It's yeah, it's a cluster. But then I have my moments where I absolutely love Do Fixer versus Blood Generation at in Ring of Honor at their Super Card of Honor show. That amazing six man tag that happened, right? I don't think anybody tags. They're just like, oh, my turn, my turn. I'm coming in. Oh, I can hit you. I'm coming in. Sometimes it's fun, right? But I like classic wrestling, and New Japan gives you a little more of that classic wrestling. So, yeah. I, I, I little, went a little more in-depth than I needed to on that, but that's kind of my, well, my look as to it. I've just never cared for lucha wrestling. Yeah, part of the discussion. I think that's why I enjoyed this match a lot more than I enjoy, you know, some of the good lucha matches that are on WCW. It's just I found this one more interesting. Fair enough. You know, uh, we go back to Mankind Triple H in China. They're still brawling now. They're in the parking lot. Uh, Triple H is busted wide open. Uh, you know, they're just using the environment. Mankind gets Irish whipped into a, a stack of beer, empty beer kegs. That was fucking that was a cool one. It looked like a fucking bowling ball. And uh, naturally, we're not going to get uh, the championship match as the main event. That's going to be saved for the tag team match. So we got Vader versus Undertaker. Tim White is your ref for this one. There you go. Look at that. And you're like, I don't know if I've ever really seen him in anything. <laughs> and as soon as <laughs> yeah. I saw him on that, I go, well, here's his chance. Well, there's one. <laughs> yeah, man. <coughs> Bearer still at ringside just screaming murderer it was great uh there was one spot where taker goes after bear on the floor vader jumps him gets the advantage back you know and bearer's just selling it like oh my god get away from me get away from me and then he turns to the camera after vader jumps him and he's smiling like yeah i got him murderer yep <laughs> it was just <laughs> fucking great uh crowd was hot as fuck for this one you know uh taker obviously over everywhere he goes vader hits a blatant low blow at one point it's not called and even JR goes, uh, I don't know why the ref didn't call that. He was looking right at him. <laughs> you got to love I it. I love Both that promotions. JR did that. And it's funny because you'll see that a lot of your championship matches from like right now on for like most of like 98, 99, 2000, there's no DQ in a world title match. They fight all over the place. They're hitting each other with the cameras and – they're fighting the entire arena, and there's not one count out. It, this is where it starts to go like that. I mean, the Montreal screw job, half the match wasn't even in right. the fucking ring. Yeah. So we're going to start to see that. So that low blow and the ref letting it go, I believe it, it was around here they start going, well, it's a world title match, so they're getting a little more lenient. But JR was still like, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. 
Uh, yeah, they only use the DQ or count out when it's convenient for the booking or when they're just lazy with it. So, yeah, Taker goes True. for a tombstone. Vader looks to reverse it, right? You know, you know the spot, you know, where you flip, you know, you're, you're, you're being, I'm about to tombstone you and you just wiggle your, your legs till you're standing up and you got me in the tombstone. Looks like what they were going for, but it was weird. They, they Like, Vader just fell. They both fell to the mat, and Taker just rolled it into a pin. I don't know if that's what they were going for. It, it, it looked nasty. No, but. I don't think they were going for that. If they were aiming for that, I would have definitely talked to a booker backstage. I'm like, what do you guys think of this finish? Does this seem okay? Where he's going <laughs> to act like he can't hold me and collapse, and I'll just fucking pin him. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Taker, uh, so Vader setting up for the Vader bomb. Taker returns the low blow again right in front of the ref. No call. Follows up with a choke slam from the second buckle, another choke slam, and a tombstone for the three count. Taker retains. All right, so we get a quick recap after that uh, about the nation, Disciples of Apocalypse, and Las Boricuas. Los Boricuas, sorry. Uh, also about uh, the Hearts and Team Austin. Next, we get Doc Hendricks backstage with Austin, Legion of Doom, Shamrock, and Goldust. And they all take a turn cutting a promo. They get to Austin. He just walks off. The rest of the team follows. Next, we get a rendition of O Canada in ring sung by Farmer's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Wasn't bad. Just <laughs> a weird name. It was, yes. I had to rewind it just to make sure that I heard Fink say it the right way. Um, I'll tell you one thing. The beer sucks. Fink is an oh, I got it. Yeah, you got John Candy. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention is a commentary. They're all wearing cowboy hats, and the king has the most obnoxious, ridiculous cowboy hat. The brim covers his entire face. Fucking hilarious. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yep. Even it, the like Jr. Mm. obviously wore his everyday hat, but Vince is the one that killed me with it. I was like, <laughs> I don't like this. It looks weird. <laughs> Uh, even Fink was rocking the cowboy hat as well. Uh, he makes uh, a yep. note t- to mention that in the front row, there's uh, some government official, government official of some sort in the uh, front row, along with the Hart family. Uh, you know, Stu and Helen are there. The brothers are there. There's actually quite a few people there, and I'll name a few of them off when we get there at the end of our main event, which is right now. Oh, the fuckery of this match. The fuckery of this match. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I, I got. I forgot uh, about with wrestling <clears throat> in shadows how Bruce, was it in wrestling with shadows or maybe it was the uh, greatest rivalries with him and Sean. Whatever one he admits, he's like, we told Bruce, this is all you need to do. And Bruce does way the fuck more than he should have, which is pretty much sums up everything Bruce ever did. Like, it was the one guy who was like, no one likes you. And he just, all right, well, I'll do seven moves instead of zero. How's that sound? Yeah, I think it was in uh, Wrestling with Shadows because they're breaking it down. And it was kind of cool the way they do it. They, they're, they're, you're listening to Brett break it down as they're showing you how it played out. That was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. All right, so Team Austin. We got Austin, Legion of Doom, Goldust, and Shamrock versus the Hart Foundation. Um, Diana uh, is coming down the aisle with Bulldog. Uh, we get a face-off from everybody to start. JR does mention that there is a film crew filming a documentary on Bret Hart's life. They actually yep. call it out. So that's pretty cool. Now, Austin, I do want to say, um, you kind of failed to mention, goes without saying if you've seen this, but, hey, if you haven't watched this pay-per-view, you need to know. 
LOD Gold Dust Shamrock. Oh. Shamrock booed the fuck out of the arena. I mean, hard, solid mm-hmm. bass boos. Conflicting where they wanted to boo Austin, but then you still got the high pitched screams. You there heard. was you definitely like, some ah, screams for like Austin. Them. Yeah. The way that they brought people out in the exact order for the Hart Foundation, awesome. Pillman out first. Then you got Anvil. Then you got Bulldog with Diana. Then Owen. Then Brett. I mean, it was just the in that face off you're talking about is one of the few times I remember. The camera shakes because it's real. The people in the fucking arena were jumping and hitting rafters and everything, whatever they were hitting, like the chairs, so much that you can actually see the camera shaking. Now, if they're marking or if they're kayfabing me to be a mark and they actually just shake the camera, well, well done. It looked cool. But either way, the whole first, like the entrances, I'm I'm absolutely fine with just watching the entrances of that match into the face off and be like, that was enough. I'm good. That's That's how awesome <laughs> that moment is. Right. Yeah, it was weird because Legion of Doom, you could tell they're not used to getting booed like that. They're used to getting a big-ass pop, and they're still acting like everybody's cheering them. It was weird. Yeah, so Austin and Brett start. Austin at one point gets a Cobra Clutch on, but they didn't call it the Million Dollar Dream for some reason. Uh, Apparently, they're pissed that Ted left, so I don't know. I was Um, like, well, Teddy's over uh, on Nitro. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Even though he hasn't been on TV lately, but different story there. Pillman straight loogies in Shamrock's face. I'm not talking like kayfabe, you know, spit. You know, he fucking hawked one up and launched it right in Shamrock's face. Fucking loose cannon, yeah, man. Yeah, I my mouth a bit. Owen, <laughs> Owen gets tagged in. They are chanting his name. He's almost more over than Brett is. Amazing. Yep. Absolutely amazing. Which is perfect for how this all plays out. I'm so glad that everything played out the way it did because you know that it was Brett's decision that if if we're going over, Owen's taking the pin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted that for his, his little brother. Brett didn't need it. Pillman, nah. Anvil, nope. Bulldog, possibly. It could have been okay. But the best win for that town was going to be Owen. And the pop he was getting, that's why I love the entrances. I'm like, God damn it, when this guy makes the pin, the place is going to fucking erupt. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the way they laid out the beginning of the match was fantastic. You know I'm not a big fan of multi-man tag matches. They laid it out so good because everybody got in and got their shit in, but not in a modern-day get-your-shit-in kind of way. It was just sensical. It was, okay, this guy's in now. He's going to do the things that you're used to seeing him doing. Guy's going to realize it's time to tag out. We get the next guy in. And they just ran through everybody, and it, it, they did it, and it just it was a, it worked out perfectly. Everybody got in and got It almost chance. was like a decent Survivor Series match from like the late 80s, early 90s. Like right. When they're... When you're getting in, doing your thing, but uh, either you tag or you get pinned, end of it, and let's move on. You know what I mean? You don't have, everybody doesn't have to do their entire arsenal. It's you do right. some and that you're contributing to the team. So I agree with you. This was, it's one of the better 10-man tags. Hell yeah. Uh, let's see. We get a doomsday device on Owen, but Anvil makes the save. It leads to a brawl. Austin gets the chair, goes after Owen's knee on the post. Uh, Bruce Hart. Does grab Austin, lays in a couple punches, uh, but he goes back to Owen's knee. 
Brent makes the save. Refs come down to the ring to help Owen off to the back. So now it's a five on four. Uh, this is the first time I think I've heard JR say this, but JR does say that Austin fights like a rattlesnake. I don't think I've heard him say that yet. God, you're right. I didn't even catch it. I think I'm almost so used to hearing him say it like down the road that it didn't even catch it. But you're right. I think it's the first time I've actually heard the words rattlesnake. Yeah. Pretty cool. I I like the little things like that where we're noticing to see where all this shit's coming from. You know what I mean? It's pretty cool. Austin does double birds to Pillman and then hits the stunner. Always great to see. Brett uh, gets retribution, drags Austin to the post, goes after his knee. Uh, uses a fire extinguisher on it, and then the figure four spot. Uh, Hawk makes this just a save shortly after. Austin starts heading to the back. Uh, doesn't want any assistance from the refs, though. Shamrock did the weirdest thing twice. He teases a leg lock on Brett. Like he's got his, he's got his leg, he's got his ankle, his foot, but he's just looking at Brett, saying, "I don't know you. We've never met before. I don't know you." <laughs> <laughs> You're so a liar. Sham- <laughs> so Sham- yeah, you're a liar. Shamrock's just standing at Pillman gets in and just blasts him with a lariat and he just ate it. Like Pillman was or uh, Shamrock was looking right at Pillman and Pillman just fucking ran through him. So Shamrock does it again. Just grabs his leg and looks down at the mat at Brett and then lets go and lets Brett get up so they can stand up toe to toe. Okay. Bulldog does Austin's mud hole spot in the corner with Shamrock. I thought that, that was, and he even does the middle fingers. Like he stomps the mud hole, gives yep. him the double birds, and it was fucking great to see Bulldog do that. It was fucking great. Um, my favorite part of the match, we cut to the crowd and we see Diana, and it's been quite a while, but that bitch is still mouth breathing. <laughs> she looks, She looks like Ken Shamrock saying, I don't know you. That's what she looks like. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe that should be the picture. What's going on? Am I at a wrestling match? Uh, we get Austin hobbling back to the ring. Austin gets the sharpshooter on Brett, but Owen comes back down, and he makes the save. Uh, this is when we get Owen and Austin on the floor in front of the Hart family, and Austin grabs Stu, goes after the brothers. Chaos just ensues. Bruce jumps the guardrail. Uh, there's there's water and, or, and like pop all over the floor, so everybody's slipping. Owen rolls up Austin real quick during the chaos for the pin. Just rolls him up, one, two, three. Massive pop. Team Austin heads to the back. But Austin comes back in with a chair and attacks Anvil, and he just gets his ass jumped. We get Austin suck chance because now now even the Austin fans, gotta you got to side with the hearts. Austin gets cuffed, and it's great. He's rolling out of the ring, and Pillman gives him the double bird spits in his face, and Austin, with his hands cuffed behind his back, is still flipping everybody off. It's fucking Bending great. over and flipping off. I love it. It's <laughs> one of my favorite moments of all time. I got to say, I with all the chaos that was going on, you got Stu and Bruce, you got everybody in the match all over the place. And they were still cognizant enough to be paying attention to Owen getting that pin. Because when that pin happened, you're right. That It's not like the bell rang and they were like, oh, yay. I mean, it was one, two, three, and they jumped. So with everything going on, they still got them in the ring. And had, people were like, I got to pay attention to Austin. That's got to be the right guy, right? Owen pinning him was huge. Oh, it was so great. Massive. And then everybody in the family too. gets but to it was great, yeah, because after the match, the you ring. got the whole heart... 
like there's like 40 people. I mean, you had Stu, Hetland, Martha, Diana. Uh, the grandkids were in the ring. You got to see uh, Martha holding a young Oach, you know, who had Owens. You know what else figure. you got in there? You got you got Harry Smith. You got uh, yeah. I don't think Tyson Kidd is in there, but Natalia's in there. Um, like yep. the, the whole family, everybody was in there. It's so cool. Yeah, it was insane. There was a shit ton of people. They just kept coming in the ring. It was weird. But yeah, that's the pay-per-view. Like I said, it was a very short pay-per-view, and honestly, that main event was really what you were watching for. The Triple H Mankind and match wasn't bad. I miss those two-hour pay-per-views. You know what? If you're going to do know. a pay-per-view every month, do a two-hour one and make your main event your big thing, and then you got a couple of bullshit cards, or a couple of bullshit matches on there. If it's worth it, cool. If not, fine. But I miss that. It was so much better because that, that was like... Revenge of the Taker, Cold Day in Hell, all of them back-to-back that we've been watching. And it's like, all right, well, I just saw Taker versus Mankind. Now it's going to be Taker versus Austin. Then it's going to be Taker, Farouk, Taker, Vader. Is it worth it? You know what I mean? Like, at some of these points, is every one of these matches going to be worth it? But the the 10-man tag in Canada, I don't even know how their buy rate went. But, man, if you were lucky enough to have gotten it that night, I didn't. I wasn't one of those people. Smart move because that it's one of the more historical pay per views. I put that up there with like the ECW 2005 uh, one night stand. Mm. You know, like it's just one of those ones where it's like people are in there in the moment. The crowd makes the show. That was a part of it, right? Oh, hundred percent. So we'll follow it up Monday night. Next day, Monday night, we're in Edmonton this time. Vince says blind patriotism. Uh, when speaking about the Hearts win, they're showing a bunch of Canadian fans, and they they recap the win, but they introduce this one fan. <laughs> they're all speaking about what Brett's saying about all the anti-American rhetoric and all that. The one fan, hey, he's telling the truth about Americans, and that's all I got to say. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. I popped for that's that. That's all one. I got to say. Eh? <laughs> Uh, Vince calls Brett down to the ring. It's it's hilarious. You know, obviously, he's playing to the town. He's wearing an Edmonton uh, Oilers jersey. Uh, but he's from Calgary, and I don't know if I've ever seen him in a Calgary Flames jersey. He probably has, and I'm just not remembering it. But uh, just funny to see that. But cool. I like hockey, so it's awesome. Isn't he in the same exact jersey when Goldberg spears him and he's wearing uh, the metal plate? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that's that's why I'm laughing because, I mean, you know, it's all in Alberta. Edmonton and Calgary are both in Alberta. Um, so, you know, maybe he grew up an Oilers fan. Who knows? I just think being from Calgary, you would be a Flames fan. But what do I know? Uh, it's announced that he's going to be facing Taker at SummerSlam for the title. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I know who the ref for that one is and what the ending looks oh, like. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of loogies. <laughs> uh, let's see. So well, I don't know why I wrote this. Because basically what this, is, what this is, this promo is Canada, yay, America, boo. <laughs> That's what this promo pretty much is. And to go back we on one of his notes, the same exact <laughs> thing <laughs> there, he's calling back one of his old stipulations that didn't quite work out the last time it says if he doesn't win the title, he'll never wrestle on American soil for real this time. So he calls Owen down to the ring again, massive pop. Uh, Owen's going to be facing Austin at SummerSlam. Uh, I hope it's a good match. Uh, and he calls out the bulldog next. We get 
Bulldog versus Shamrock at SummerSlam. And uh, Brett says something about, you know, WWF is American as a company, all their wrestlers, you know, all that. So I want you all to look at the screen. Oh, Canada plays. And while the three of them are looking at the screen, listening to their national anthem, Austin rolls in with the chair and just bitch, and just bitch slaps them all across the back, um, gets back out. And uh, we come back from break, and Brett during the commercial says, you know, we're not going to let him walk all over Canada like that. And Vince publicly apologizes for the actions of Austin. It was a good shot. They had a shot behind Owen, Brett, and Bulldog looking at the Tron, and you just see Austin slide in with the chair. It was a good visual. I liked it. They don't call him the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. Next we get to... <laughs> <laughs> Fly ball. <laughs> Caught. Hey, you can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> Next, we get a rematch. Takamichi Nuko versus Great Sasuke. Uh, we get a pre-record from Sasuke. Didn't understand anything that he said. They didn't even bother to translate it. Okay, way to go. We get two sexy Brian Christopher on commentary. It's hilarious because you can't tell if it's the king or Christopher laughing because... They both laugh the same. It's fucking hilarious. Yep. I, I, this is a moment where uh, I literally gasped. I was watching this early in the morning when I watched this, uh, and uh, Jackie was still asleep, and I was scared I was going to wake her up because Michinoko goes for uh, a springboard. He jumps up on the top rope, and then he does a 180 where he's supposed to do a moonsault off the top. Yeah, he slipped and almost died. Uh, I gasped out loud. I was afraid I was going to wake her up. <laughs> It was. I haven't seen that botch <clears throat> until then. I was like, "Wow, that's one that's it's pretty bad." It was pretty bad, and the fucked up thing was he went for it again, but this time the camera didn't go on him. The camera stayed on Sasuke. That way, yeah. if he made it off and landed it, then they would catch that. Yeah. So let's not he, get the death on camera, everybody. <laughs> you know, Vince was like, "No, no, 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 no." Um, I'm pretty sure at one point that Brian Christopher, in referring to the two of these competitors, said Japs. Yep, it was. Never mind. <laughs> it was a different time. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it was a different time. Uh, Sasuke wins with a Thunder Tiger bomb. Next, we get Los Bariquas versus DOA. Uh, Vince says there could be faction warfare. All right. Uh, we get a recap of the build up to this whole thing between them and the nation. Uh, the uh, Los Bariquas greet the Spanish announce table. It was kind of cool. Uh, it apparently seems that Disciples of Apocalypse are the faces, which makes sense because Canada probably has more biker gangs than Puerto Ricans. Uh, they brawl to the floor, and it's a count out. I think the problem was is that Miguel Perez was being weighed down by the sweater that he was wearing, so I think that's kind of what made them not win that match. <laughs> that might have been it. Welcome to your nor- your new humorous. <laughs> yeah, right. Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, boy. So SummerSlam uh, this year is going to be called Heart and Soul. Heart as in Bret Hart. You see what they did there? Gotta love it. Next, we got Paul Bear backstage. Vince is in the ring. Oh, Soul is in Taker. Never mind. Uh, I was just pausing so you could put the cricket. No, I was just looking to put the uh, spot for the cricket bump it to go into. You (laughs) dickhead. Eat a cricket. Eat a bug. (laughs) Eat a bug. Figure it out. 
Uh, we get Paul Bearer backstage talking about calling a taker a murderer, and uh, Vince offers him the uh, opportunity to apologize. And he says, well, taker should apologize. And then Vince says, well, why should we believe you about Kane? And he says, well, Kane is disfigured and had multiple operations and skin grafts and can't go into the sunlight, so they're starting to put a mental image into your brain. Obviously, they, they're going to wait three months before they show you what that looks like, but we'll get there. Next, we get the Nation, uh, specifically D'Lo and Farouk facing Owen and Bulldog for the tag turn hey, final. Hey, hey, you know, I, I, I'm going to cut you off, I got to say. Okay. There are a lot of things that you're like, it just doesn't pay off. So many different things don't pay off. This is one of those things that when we were watching it live and you're watching now, you're like, there's no way this is going to pay off. It's going to be a bullshit thing. It's going to be Hornswoggle as Vince McMahon's son kind of bullshit, right? Kane is one of the very few times that something so stupid that they kept pounding in your face, it actually paid off. Oh, hell yeah. Because I'm getting annoyed with the angle just as much as I think I remember as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember, I, I, I said to you, I don't remember it lasting as long, but I do remember this dude coming out every week, you're a murderer, you're a murderer. It was a bit much. Yeah, it did. It definitely paid off, especially since nobody had been able to dominate Undertaker like that. So, you know. And then he became a fucking douchebag mayor. So, fuck that dude. Anyway. Yeah, tag team tourney. dentist. <laughs> that you, bro? So we get the Nation versus Owen and Bulldog tag tourney final. Ahmed's still out with a knee injury. Austin's backstage. Says, doesn't care who his partner or his opponent's going to be. Tells Vince to shut up. Vince goes, you're out of line. Cut his mic. I like it was like the first time that Vince was actually being vocally, uh, you know, firing back at Austin. Uh, Kama pulls the rope down at one, one point. Owen falls to the floor. Uh, they start going after Owen. The hearts jump in. It's just a massive brawl on the floor. Owen is able to slide in at the count of nine, and they win by count out. So, an interesting way. You know, you, you still got Nation, who's a hot team. You don't want them to lose, but this is a way that you get them out of it, and you get Owen and Bulldog in there. Another big pop. Two big wins for Owen two nights in a row. Pretty nice. It's true. Uh, Mankind ends up running down at the end just to tell the hearts that it's going to be him who tags with Austin. Still wearing his Austin t-shirt, and he heads to the back. We uh, we go back to Austin again, uh, talking about his match with Triple H tonight. Says Triple H is always eating caviar. Well, I'm going to open up a can of whoop-ass for him tonight. And as for China, I'm not against punching anyone's lights out. I don't give a damn. Okay. I'll cut a bitch. <laughs> Equal opportunity. <laughs> We get hour two and I don't think that's what that term was meant for, but you know, it works here. Hour two, we start with Austin versus Triple H. Uh, Triple H got a big ass bandage on his head from the brawl with mankind. Austin also mocks the curtsy. Uh, China trips Austin at one point on the apron for the distraction. Triple H has the chair, but mankind makes the save, gets up on the apron. He eats the chair shot. Austin hits the stunner. Gets on the mic post-match. Tells Mankind, hey, get your ass up here, you long hair freak. Get in the ring. I don't like you one bit, but I'll go to war with you if that's what you want. Just need you to shake my hand. They shake hands. They hug. Mankind turns around. Stunner. <laughs> and the first time that he said this is he gets on he gets on the mat. I love when he does that. He gets on the mic, on the mat, right on his right in his face. Laying down in front of your face. Yep, yep. absolutely. DTA, you stupid piece of trash. You're not going to be my partner cuz you're a long-haired piece of trash and you suck. DTA obviously don't trust anybody. But it's the first time he's done it. It was fucking great. 
Yep. Uh, by that motto. <clears throat> Mankind gets on the mic after Austin powders and heads to the back, says, I was just looking for a bit of respect. A friend, you ruined that all, and it's become apparent drastic measures will need to be taken. I'm going to have to do something I never thought I'd have to do again. Honestly, don't know what that is, so hopefully that pays off. <clears throat> oh, I do. Oh, I'm sure you do. Uh, next, we got Titties announcing the. I'm sorry, Sunny announcing uh, the light heavyweight match that's coming up. We get Canadian native Eric Shelley versus Brian Christopher. Uh, it's basically just a chance for King to tell more Polish jokes. Uh, then he says he has a message for the old Polak in the nursing home, uh, referring to the Putskis, Ivan Putski. And they just beat down Eric Shelley afterwards. And yeah, that's about it. Waste of a segment. Yep. Next, we get Austin again, this time in ring with Vince. Uh, recaps, you know, getting handcuffed and asking who his partner's going to be. Austin, in mid-promo, stops like a fan must have said something because he just stopped and turned around to the fans, had to basically kick his ass. It was pretty fucking funny. Didn't miss a beat, though. Came back to it. Speaks on his match with Owen coming up at SummerSlam, and he says he wants it in his contract that if he doesn't win, Brett can pull down his trunks and his panties, and Austin will kiss his ass. Okay. Um, in one of the most underwhelming main events on Raw in recent history, it's Brett versus Goldust. It's a great match. These two work very well together. I mean, you got to give it for that. But apart from that, DOA just comes out for some reason. Then the Heart Foundation comes out. Then Shamrock and LOD come out. Then Austin's at the top of the ramp, and Brett wins on a roll-up. And that's it. That's literally the end. The only difference between their ending and numerous Nitro endings is at least there was a pinfall. It wasn't a no contest. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Pretty much. Yeah, so I guess you got to give them kudos for that, right? Works for me. On to right. WCW so, Monday Nitro. We'll move on to Nitro in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, this is our go-home show for Bash at the Beach, which is coming up this Sunday. We get a recap of Sting showing up last week uh, and Hennig and Raven showing up as well. We get Gene on the ramp. He opens up with Kurt Hennig. Ask if he's here to join the WCW. Uh, Hennig says he has his reasons, albeit Bash at the Beach participating in one shape or form. It says, I'm a free agent, but don't take the word free lightly. Flair comes out with some more arm candy, puts Hennig over, and is trying to recruit him to be a horseman, and they all head to the back. Next, we get Pubic Enemy versus Harlem Heat. Uh, this, You want to talk about, you know, you had something here you could have worked with, and then you completely just undersold it and just moved on. Uh, Harlem Heat's going for their finisher, but Sherry's on the apron to tell Booker to go after Vincent, who's on the ramp. He does, chases him to the back. Rocco gets on the top rope to do their finisher. Sherry pushes him off, but in doing so, pushes him right into Stevie Ray, and P.E. get the win. And Booker basically says, Sherry, if you don't get your shit together, you're going to have to leave Team Harlem Heat. And Sherry says, we're not going to wait for that. I'm just going to quit. Okay. Gene just smiles and says, wow, what a development here on Nitro. And literally, that's all that happened. Dynamite drop in, Mean Gene. You know, this is a, this would have been a good time for Gene to do more. <laughs> right. Okay, fine. 
Uh, yeah. So we get a next we get a Sullivan Benoit package. Uh, then we get another match: Joe Gomez versus Conan. Uh, Raven spotted on the crowd again, and Conan wins with the Tequila Sunrise. Not much to say here. Uh, next we get Volano four and five versus Juventud Guerrera and Hector Garza. Garza actually connects on his corkscrew plancha this time. He does go headfirst into the floor, though. So, yeah, that was kind of sketchy. And uh, Juvi and Garza win. Not much to say there. Next, this might Filler. be my favorite moment of uh, either two of the shows. We get the NWO music hitting. It's Macho, Scott Hall, and Liz. They head to commentary. Naturally, Shivani and uh, Tanay Powder. And uh, Zabisco just saves her. He just sits there, arms crossed, just looking at him, not taking his eye off of him. Hall does the word the stuff line again. Hall says, Zabisco, you can take off with the other two jabrones. And he's like, no, I'm going to sit here and watch the worm pack, see how they operate. Doesn't fucking move. Uh, they're still playing the music during the promo. I fucking hate that. What the fuck? I agree. Cut the shit, Tony. Macho is confused because he's laying on commentary and he's got a headset on. Hall gets a mic, cuts his promo, gives the mic to Macho. But Macho gets really confused because he's not understanding that the headset's only helping the production truck and the people watching on TV, not the people in the arena. So half the time he's just got the mic down by his waist and half the time he's got it kind of close to his mouth. So I'm wondering how much the people in the crowd actually heard of Macho's promo. Because <laughs> I'm guessing it wasn't a lot. Right, none of it. <laughs> it was great. But the best part, the best part was they uh, NWO goes to leave and Hall gives Zabisco a little shove. He says, don't touch me, man. Hall flicks the toothpick and Zabisco gets up, throws the headset down. Hall takes off his shirt. The crowd popped. When Zabisco stood up and took off that headset, man, they popped. Uh, Hall throws his shirt at Zabisco, and they kind of just go to break. Uh, but that was great. I like this Zabisco standing up awesome to him. Awesome moment. Uh, it's fucking great. Yep. Especially for somebody who always played a heel, you know, to see them kind of play the face, yeah. you know. And even on commentary, played the heel for the longest time. Uh, just cool to see. Uh, next, we get a Luger Giant package. It, it's basically about uh, being partners, how they became partners and friends, and their match coming up against Hogan and Rodman. Then we get Bagwell and Scott Norton. I know I had mentioned that they have a tag team name. It was probably so terrible that I forgot it, and I didn't bother to look back at my notes. So, yeah, the two of them uh, versus Eddie uh, and Chavo. Buffing stuff or some shit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I could literally just pull it up real quick, but. Please don't. I, you know what? I actually think you're fucking right here. Uh, I want to find out now. Uh, vicious and delicious. <laughs> Mm, I think I like buffing stuff better. <laughs> buffing stuff. <laughs> Ugh, isn't that like That's a Chef Boyardee canned meal? Stuff. <laughs> All right. Oh, they're taking no, on it's Eddie what uh, uh, they show, uh, Bagwell's been doing on his uh, on the side as of recent to make money. Uh, hey, I'm Marcus <laughs> Alexander Bagwell, and I can give you the buffing stuff. All right, I'm in timeout for a minute. Yikes, I'm in timeout. Uh, yeah, dude, they have been plugging the fuck out of Hogan, that Hogan-Rodman match. Like, every break they get, it's just the NWO music playing with, like, a screenshot of the match. It, it, it Like, they are plugging the fuck out of it. Um, yeah, 
Buff slaps the shit out of Eddie at one point. The whole, even the whole crowd is like, <gasps> you know, it's like when somebody slaps their kid in public and everybody stops and you're like, oh, I look like a yeah. piece of shit now. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was, man. It was fucked up. Basically, they're just uh, you know continuing the dissension between Eddie and Chavo, and uh, Eddie gets doesn't make the tag at one point, walks away. Uh, they beat down Chavo for a while, and then they get the pin. And that's that. That's that for our and one. That's that. Hour two, I love the way it starts. Heenan goes to take his place on commentary, but Zabisco's like, nah, I ain't leaving. And Heenan's like, I've got work to do. you, you got to leave. No, I'm not going anywhere. we got 18 pairs of headphones down here. Grab one. Where am I going to sit? You can stand. <laughs> it was a great moment. Yeah, 18 <laughs> pairs of headphones over here. <laughs> oh, it was great. Um, this is probably my second favorite part of the night or of the wars. You know, minus the pay-per-view. We get LaParco versus Macho. Uh, we get Liz and Hall down at ringside. They start to head over towards commentary to fuck with Zabisco some more, but they just go down. Uh, during the match, though, at one point, Hall does head back to commentary to call out Zabisco. Macho goes for the elbow drop, but LaParca gets his feet up to counter it, turns him around, hits a diamond cutter, takes off his mask. It's fucking DDP. Gets the one, two, three, massive pop. Hall is oblivious when he hears the, the crowd pop. He just assumed Macho won, realizes what happens, runs down to the ring, DDP leaves through the crowd, and Zabisco's like, all right, I'm good. I'm leaving now. Such a great moment. Oh, Fuck my yeah. God. When he takes – when you see the cutter, it, it like half the crowd realizes it's DDP, but then as soon as he rips it off, it's like <laughs> double pop to it. You know what I mean? Like I, it was just right. such a great moment. Oh, I love that part. Absolutely. Yeah, moment of the – it has to be moment of the night. Absolutely. And they didn't milk it too long. Short. Simple, sweet. It worked. Yeah, move on. We didn't need to. Don't keep reshowing it. We don't have to keep seeing like him in the crowd, all that extra stuff. Move on. It was a good moment. Now give me more. Give yeah. me something different. Well, they gave you something different. Yeah, Psychosis and Silver King versus Glacier and Ernest Miller. Uh, we go to the back. We see that Edo, Eddie and Chavo are fighting. Uh, and guess what happens? Mortis and Wrath interfere, and it's a schmaz, and it goes to break. Next, we get Gene on the ramp with Flair again, saying, hey, you know, Piper's here. You know, we're facing each other at the bash, and music's playing, and he just pulls, you know, a blanket off of a full-size mannequin this time in Scottish garb, talking to him like it's actually Roddy Piper. But at one point, Flair's cutting a real promo into the camera. Piper shows up behind him, and it's it's the classic uh, bit. Gene is trying to, um, he's right behind you. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Keeps going, realizes that Piper is actually there. They head to the ring. They start brawling. Piper's ripping off Flair's clothes. Actually gets to the pants. So it's Flair in a tie, boxers, and dress shoes and socks. So a Tuesday <laughs> night for Ric Flair. Pretty much, probably. Um, Piper no-sells the chops, locks in a sleeper. Horsemen come off. Piper's able to fight him off for a little bit, but the numbers end up being too much. So he gets beat down. We get the the what-the-fuck moment of the night next. Mike Tanay is back with Raven in the crowd because it worked so well last week. He's going to give it another shot. And then Stevie Richards just jumps the barricades and interrupts. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, it's going to get great. (laughs) So he takes over the interview. This is my former tag team partner. This is my best friend. This is my boss. I I can get him to talk. 
And he tells, Stevie Richards tells Tanae, why don't you go ask one of the Mexicans what their favorite movie is in Scram, pal? <laughs> Which is kind of a work shoot joke because, I mean, he's always talking about the Lucha Libre wrestlers and right. all that stuff. So for him to be like, why don't you go do that? I'm like, that's fucking funny. That was a good <laughs> right. one. No, it made sense. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so Stevie asks him, Hey, have you signed with WCW? I think he even says at one point, boss, come on, boss. And uh, Raven just clocks him and walks away. And Stevie's like, I told you he didn't want to talk. It was an interesting, interesting segment, to say the least. Next, we get Benoit and Mongo versus the Steiners. Uh, Rick's got, I think it was Mongo, up against the ropes. And Deborah's there, and Rick just does the tongue move, the tongue gesture. The Mickey James tongue was, gesture. Yeah. And he was like freaking it was a out. awkward to see it from him. <laughs> it was. It was definitely out of character for him. Uh, we see Macho backstage. He's kind of pissed off about what happened. He attacked Nick Patrick, who's screaming bloody murder. Scott Steiner locks in an STF on Benoit. And it was really cool because he was close to the ropes and he tagged Rick in. And they just handed off the spot. So, like, Rick came in and went right into the SDF. It was a pretty cool spot. I liked it. It was. Uh, This turned into a shit show. Jeff Jarrett and Jimmy Hart come out. And then Sullivan comes out, breaks the chair over Benoit's head to give the Steiners the win. Sullivan, in going to leave the ring, ran over Jacqueline. And he's dragging her down the ramp like they're having a domestic dispute in Cracker Barrel. It was... Just madness. Cringy, really. It was yeah. like, is kind of like uh, some of the things that we're hearing, were they true about him and Nancy? And then you see how he's treating her. I mean, obviously it's it's an acting thing, but I'm just saying like, what we say, art and life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sketch. Uh, and then another underwhelming main event segment Hogan and Bischoff come out just cutting a promo on the match but Luger and Giant head down to the ring ring at this point is filled with trash they are just bombing the ring it's getting worse week by week man Uh, I mean I know that it's good to have heat but goddamn. so Bischoff does his thing where he's trying to attack Luger from behind and as he goes he like goes to throw like a forearm in Luger's back but right as he does it somebody threw a full cup of pop and it nailed Bischoff right in the head. It was fucking great to see. It didn't help with so how everything. So funny you say that because you were, when you're like, you know, it's just getting worse and worse each week. I was like, it is. I'm like, but someone did connect really fucking well this week. <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> yeah, right. Nailed him. Uh, yeah, man. Fucking Vincent and Buff get show up. They both get choke slammed. Luger has Bischoff in the rack. Hogan powders, and that's it. See you in the nitro. Yeah, giant beat up buff and stuff. <laughs> well, to me, good moments on Nitro. Two real big moments with the DDP Laparca thing and Zabisco kind of being full face all of a sudden. Good moments. Raw, just as many good and shit moments. You I mean how many times do we have to see DOA and Los Bariquas? You know what I mean? It was just mm-hmm. reel them in, boys. Reel them in. Each show <laughs> needs a little fine tuning. So yeah, next week we'll be talking Bash of the Beach with the Monday Night Wars. 
But today, in keeping with the theme of 1997 Bret Hart, let's get to our top topic. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for... Ranking order and final decisions are a completely bias-based order, based off The Professor and ODM made it. And as always, they like to let you know they have not worked in the business, but have been lifelong invested fans much like you, our listeners. With not only their opinions involved, but with countless amount of hours of research done each week, they make sure to provide proper facts and history to back it up. However, they do know that your opinion may vary from theirs. If there is anything you want to chat about, bring to their attention. If there is something they missed or forgot, or you just want to let them know they are out of their freaking minds, feel free to shoot them a message on Facebook or Twitter, or email them at the top of wrestling at gmail.com. As always, they do appreciate all feedback and continued support. At the end of the day, they want to make sure that you do see the best of the best before you die. And now, this week's top topic. I can't tell if we're going to get kicked off the air for the fact that we're doing this on this week, or if it's just timing of... Yeah, we're going to say it had to do with Bret Hart's thing. There we go. Okay, yeah. This week, we are doing the top 25 anti-American wrestlers of all time. So guys that really were not fans of the USA. So it's not that if you're just foreign, you're automatically put on this list. You had to be a person who, the reason you were a wrestler was because you hated America. I always found that to be so weird, but you know, that that was a thing. But we're talking anti-Americans. No, 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 I'm not talking Bin Laden, not talking Saddam Hussein. Or even the guy that played Saddam, Saddam Hussein in uh, Hot Shots movie. No, no, no. We're talking all wrestlers. And our honorable mention, god damn it, kind of looked like Saddam. General Adnan from, if most people remember him from the 1991 era, or 90 and 91 era when joining Sergeant Slaughter and Colonel Mustafa get to later (laughs) but general at if you want to it was one of those things it's like you hear me butcher a japanese name look up general adnan's real name in the length of it i go "Mm, no no we don't have that kind of time for me to butcher that kind of shit coming in at number 25 the leader and you know what this one's a shout out for nightwing we know how much he loved him some team canada from Impact or TNA, the leader of Team Canada, Scott D'Amore. Most of the guys, when you look at Team Canada, Eric Young, Robert Roode, or you know whoever he ends up going out to be, Bob Roode, 
most of them, it's not that that was their big gimmick. But Scott D'Amore made it his gimmick. It was a full anti-American campaign in TNA. Number 24, Sean Devari. Unfortunately, the only thing that was left over out of what could have been a great anti-American wrestler that we're going to get to in a little bit. Uh, but Sean Devari did stay around after someone was fired in the company and he was able to you know, do great with the, with the cruiserweight division. Then also went over to TNA, did some things there as well as Japan. But Sean Devari always has stuck with the... Uh, the anti-American shtick, if you will. Number 23, I didn't get him. You didn't get him. No one one understood him. Vladimir Kozlov. It was like they were trying to make a modern-day Ivan Drago. That's really what they were trying to do. The problem is they were doing it with Vladimir Kozlov. All right, on to the next one. God damn it, can we... You know what? (laughs) Screw it. We have to. Ladies and gentlemen, number 22, it's a hat trick. Great colleague. Okay, I play. <laughs> I didn't think that would happen that many times in today's episode, man. That's so weird. <laughs> it is All weird. Right. Look at, uh, I mean, it's not that I, he was anti-American because that's kind of his uh, interpreter manager made it known that that's what he was here to do. Crush all of the American talent. Number 21. I would say the first part of his career, maybe not so much when he was in 3MB because sure. it's kind of hard to be anti-American then. But Jinder Mahal, when he became the modern day Maharaja. I mean, he was, with that, you had the Sing guys or Sing boys with him. Um, look at, I'm one of the very, very few that loved his anti-American character and becoming a world champ. I said we haven't had it in so long. I would have rather it had been someone else at that time, and we'll get to him very soon. But I was a fan of Jinder. I didn't mind him. Did he come back looking like he took way too many steroids? Yeah. But guess what? It's what Vince liked. It was good shit. He's so beefy. It's buffing stuff. All right. Number 20. We've talked about him quite a bit here on this show in the Monday Night Wars. The Sultan. And the Sultan was brought to the ring by Bob Backlund, but also Iron Sheik, if I'm not mistaken, at that time, right? Absolutely. Still with still shows up with him, I think, in some of the matches. We're still not we're not seeing a lot of them lately, but yeah. No. Well, and down the road you will find out Sultan is Rikishi. But his character, this was the the again, against the US of A. Number nineteen. You're gonna have a foreign fanatic. This guy had it written all over him because in 1993, they were really pushing this guy to the moon to be as equal as with Yokozuna. Yokozuna was your WWF champion, but they were still pushing Ludwig Borga to the moon. And to the time that we got to the Survivor Series, we had the Foreign Fanatics. Him with Yokozuna in in the air teams against 
the Americans, which was supposed to be Lex Luger, Steiners, and ended up being Undertaker. It was a weird thing. It all got weird. Ludwig Borga, a failed experiment mm-hmm. I liked. The best thing about him, he is in Die Hard with a Vengeance. The next three are all, all a part of a group, and that's why they are on this list. Number 18 is Test 17, Christian 16, Lance Storm. Their group, the Un-Americans. I guess that's as close as you can get to when you're wanting to make this list. But <laughs> I was going to say. They were, tired of being, <laughs> they were tired of being passed over as Canadian talent who have been working their asses off in the USA and felt that they were being snubbed and that was their reason the main reason is WF didn't know what to do with these guys and they're like well what if we just say you guys don't like America we haven't done that in a couple of years the next group of people fill out number 15 14 and 13 they are La Resistance you have Sylvian Granier Rob Conway and Rene Dupree I'd say about 2005 to 2007 they were very very big with heels. I mean, they they had programs with pretty much everybody. I mean, all the way up to Undertaker and John Cena, and, and they had tag team championships. They had they they were a very good group that came out each week and just talked about how much their countries were so much better than America. I like a good anti-American group like this. We haven't seen them in quite some time. I don't think we're going to get that anymore, probably because of, you know, where we're at in life. Number 12. He was the... I can't remember. Now I just lost it. They, they, he was amazing French-Canadian, I think, is what they were basically calling him. But Dino Bravo. Uh, man, I had it. French man, he had a name. God damn it, I can't remember it either way. But he was with Jimmy Hart. What what I loved about it? Yeah, whatever. All right, all right. Whatever. Screw you. Boris Zukov <laughs> is coming in at number eleven. He was a part of the Bolsheviks, as you remember. <laughs> and we're gonna get to his tag team partner very soon. But the one I really want to focus on right now, number ten. I mentioned Sean Devari earlier being what was left over of something that happened. Well, we all remember. Number 10, Muhammad Hassan, going just a touch too far, apparently, around 9-11. And, Bad timing. And, yeah, but let me say something. He didn't write it. He didn't yeah. produce it. He, right. Jesus, how do you fire him, of all people? Talk about someone really... T- wow, he might as well have been the paralegal. Number nine, I'm going to give it a tie between the Quebecers and the Mountie. Because the Mountie is in the Quebecers. But Correct. after the Mountie had that whole shtick going, they just threw in PCO or uh, Jean-Pierre, Caro, Olet, whatever you, you like to call him. But, because he's also a pirate at one point. But what I loved about the Quebecers is all about being... We're the Mounties. That is them being Canadian Mounties. But the best part about them is they had the Quebecer rule, or the Quebec rule, that you could they could win the tag team championships or lose the tag team championships through DQ. That's the Quebec rule. 
It was a really cool thing that they were doing. It's kind of a little bit different, like the almost like a Freebird rule, right? But their tag team title matches were just a little bit different back in the day. I just found it very interesting. Number eight. They say he is the reason that they moved from Los Angeles Coliseum to a little arena, the sports arena for WrestleMania 7. We don't know if it's ticket sales or not because, I mean, they are supposed to be at uh, Allegiant Stadium the other night for Money in the Bank. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. But Sergeant Slaughter, WrestleMania 7, the whole taking down Hulkamania and all of America. I mean, he burned a, a flag. He burned a Hogan shirt. I mean, there, if he really was wearing a bulletproof vest to the ring, as they have said, I don't. I wouldn't doubt it because some of the shit he was doing especially at the exact time of what was going on in 1990 and 1991 for USA and in our own personal warfare. Touchy, very touchy subject, which is crazy because go to the 80s, Sergeant Slaughter was a face. He was a good guy. He was a marketable cartoon. Yeah, it was in the G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, they bring him back to be anti-American. And it's funny because that's who I grew up on. That's the first guy I knew was the anti-American Sergeant Slaughter. Oh. Maggots. I didn't know the other one growing up at first. Number seven. You know, I would have liked to have gone better in the the ranking for this because of how much we're talking about it right now. But I I feel it's pretty decently fitting. But number seven, we give to Bret Hart. The entire 1997 run about... Canada and every other country being better than Americans. I mean, each week he's coming out and just preaching how much Americans and America suck. They've been going since March and we're in July. Pretty solid. And it's funny for a guy that was just a smiley baby face for so many years. You know, I mean, like he did his heel tactics, but when he was a heel with the Hart Foundation and Jimmy Hart, just a bad tag team right heels never anything anti-american when this thing hit it was like a ton of bricks like all at once like well if we're gonna turn your heel we need you to hate an entire country too i just i think it's big number six william regal or lord stephen regal however you want to look at it always putting his nose up to the or down to the americans and we've even heard it when you listen to him on Nitro recently. Go talk to those American wrestlers. Or go talk to those other Mexicans over there. Like the way he, like how he just does that. And carries into WWE. As he's a general manager. He still does the same thing. You know having his feud with Chris Jericho. All that stuff. All very anti-American. It wasn't until like him becoming a GM. That people just accepted him as a face. He's always been a United Kingdom I guess I don't know. I don't know where I was going to go with that word. <laughs> he long. he did Dynamite always. All right. He he did always walk to the ring like uh, he was disgusted to be amongst the fans. He always had that look, you know. He was snooty. Yeah. Snooty. Snotty. Snooty. Snotty. He was the sausage king of Chicago. All right. <laughs> Number five. <Pardon> my French. <laughs> but you're an asshole. Number five, take a Samoan, put his hair in a bun, shave his face. You got a Japanese guy. (laughs) (laughs) But Jesus, did it work? 
right? It worked. Oh my god, that was a that was a good one. I forgot about that cock one, but it worked, man. And solid booze. No one ever cheered him because he was just the Japanese sumo wrestler that. You know, it was just, you took out all of your American favorites. Yeah, they tried and to turn him face against Vader. Didn't work. Yeah, obviously we saw that. And I think we, we've officially seen the last of him through all the wars, except for what you and I saw at the Heroes of Wrestling. Yeah. Damn. But the main reason Yokozuna works so well is something that we're going to get to very soon. But number four, Nikolai Volkov. And I mentioned the Bolsheviks earlier. I give him more longevity because his career lasted longer and he never lost that stick. Minus the little bit that he was in the Million Dollar Corporation trying to pay for his family and all that bullshit in 1995. But this is the guy that came out singing the Russian national anthem weekly. And whatever how it is. Uh, it just, to the point that it, the crowd just booed the ever-loving shit out of it, and they hated him. Oh, yeah. He didn't have to come out and even say a word about America. All he said was, shut up, I want to do the Russian national anthem, wearing full Russian colors like he's in Rocky Four. Wow, one more. We have to do a hat trick for Rocky Four today. That's the second for Ivan Drago. Number yeah, three, hat speaking, <laughs> speaking of Ivan Drago, Ivan did so well because he had Mrs. Drago. Lana reminded me a lot of Mrs. Drago. But number three, I give it to Rusev. Crush! You know, I mentioned earlier about Jinder Mahal, the anti-American at the time. I said there was another guy they could have really pulled the trigger with and gave him the world championship and didn't. Why you gave it to Jinder and not Rusev is always going to be beyond me. But I, yeah, I don't whatever. But Whatevs. Extremely... Nothing but the against American wrestlers, you know, thing. I mean, and becoming the U.S. champion was the, the the cherry on the top. It was just, it was that, you know, now we're taking your U.S. title. We're taking over America. When he came out at WrestleMania 31 to the Russian National Anthem, Jesus, it was awesome. Was it Russian or, or yeah yeah it was the whole thing was awesome the, the whole tank the only yeah. thing that made it tank bad was, awesome. was losing to John Cena the guy yeah. had an undefeated streak for a solid year because of that number two puh, puh, fuck you Hulk Hogan <laughs> fuck you Hulk Hogan <laughs> not a bad impression Bubba. I'm gonna go ahead and give myself a nine out of ten on that one Iron Sheik. <laughs> You know, I'd almost give him number one, but he's broke himself a little bit in character enough throughout the years, you know, but it's, I love it. The only thing I didn't like was coming back as Colonel Mustafa. Couldn't you just have him come back as the Iron Chief? Yeah, I don't get that he could have just been a manager at that time? Yeah, yeah, it was stupid. Okay, here's what's funny. I may not have known who Sergeant Slaughter was in his older days. Right. But they showed me enough pictures of Hulk Hogan pinning Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden for the title that when he was with Sergeant Slaughter and they kept calling him Colonel Mustafa, I was like, well, he sure looks like that other guy from the 80s. It's like Chainsaw Charlie almost. Problem. Oh, my God, right? It's, which is great. Like the crowd's literally cheering. Fucking up. 
Thank you. Yeah, exactly. But number one, I said that, you know, number five, Yokozuna, he couldn't be made without Mm -hmm. having the proper guy to go with him. And honestly, there is no better long-standing against America anti-USA wrestler or, well, yeah, he was a wrestler as well, but wrestler or character, Mr. Fuji. A wrestler in the 60s and the 70s, becoming a manager in the 80s and 90s. And, I mean, God bless his soul. Brought back just to be the one to take care of Yokozuna, but was huge with so many wrestlers and being the perfect catalyst against your big American hero, which was generally Hulk Hogan, right? Fuji and Hogan promos for days. That's why I gave Mr. Fuji number one, because I feel like no better deserving of all people. I could have gone with Iron Sheik, to be honest with you, at number one, but fuck him. I like like the Fuji. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Iron Sheik's Twitter game is amazing. Yeah, it's a good list. I would have swapped number one and two for sure. And Rusev, I would have pushed back probably closer to 10. But other than that, you nailed it. The only reason I gave him where it was is the U.S. Open Challenge for the title. He was he won the title. He right. won a year-long winning streak without ever having his shoulders to the mat or submitting. Yep. I thought it was a very well-done setup, and that's why I gave him where it was. But look at You can interpret this list any way you want to, and as it says, and if you don't like it, you can suck our cocks. I'm pretty sure it's not exactly how it says it in the promo, but I think if I could rewrite it, that's how I would have it. I think think you allude to it. (laughs) (laughs) Write us. Give us a call. Blah, blah, blah. But mainly... Suck our fucking cocks. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening to the Top of Wrestling Podcast. I'm out. I'm ready. We're getting ready to go to the Blue Cross Arena because tonight it's Dynamite and Rampage. Oh, yeah. Forgot to mention this earlier. Jonathan Grisham is going to be making his AEW debut tonight in Rochester on Rampage. So, you know, if you want to stick around for the Rampage, we have to do that as well. But we'll be telling you what our night was like next week. And next week, we'll be bringing you the Monday Night Wars. You never know. We may be hearing from Nightwing. We'll have a movie of the week. We'll be back with more results, more Top of Wrestling, more everything, because this is the Top of Wrestling. We'll see you next Wednesday. As always, the professor, I bid you a farewell. ODM, he bids you four words. Figured out, eh? The Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are The Professor, Mark Plantasia, and ODM, Joe Rizzo, with special weekly segments by Nightwing the Analyst, Rashawn Hilton. Without your continued support, it would just be some guys talking wrestling. Feel free to interact with the show on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com.
I made myself laugh when I texted you, by the way. Why is that? When you said, I'm a little behind, I go, I don't know. I think it's actually a pretty good size. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Working on the dad jokes, I see. I try, I try to to catch you off guard, and I and I try to keep moving. I don't stop for your reaction. I just keep talking, even if you interrupt me, because it's it's a better reaction that way. Hundred percent. There's probably going to be oh, a few solid, of them in the wars this I, week. <laughs> like last week, <laughs> was that a delay? No, 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 not the Zoom. That was me. It took me a minute on the paralegal one. That one was fucking awesome. I just sat there and I was like. Wait. Oh shit. <laughs> Scandal. It took me I'm slow. Uh, I'm right there with you. Don't worry about it. It was nitro. Yeah, pretty much. God. Dude, I asked uh birthday's coming up, told the boys I want a new chair for in here. Found a nice a decent gaming chair. Nice. Looks really nice. Get some good lumbar support. Might start recording on my phone. Just to change my setup a little bit so I can be a little more comfortable. Not gonna get one of the fucking gaming chairs that boy has. Yeah, I've I've seen the thing that he has, but that dude, chair it's a Dude, it's a, is only it's a, last, like, it's a, it's a secret months. labs chair. They start at like 500 bucks and you know, that motherfucker paid for every extra, the fucking extra logo, the fucking anti-dent seat cushion, the whole fucking nine. Yeah. But you know what? He can beat an anti-dent seat cushion. I can promise you that. <laughs> That's why I wasn't allowed to sit on my dad's couch. <laughs> I seen it. Yo, I swear, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm saying, like, I'm saying he's fat. All right, all right. Let me give him a minute here. I'm going to take this. (laughs) Thanks for clearing that up. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. 